Bokatov. Welcome to the penultimate half of um, of Beitza. Okay, and we pick up for like his like the Lamatas Malachos here, which don't all apply equally on uh on the Lamatas. No, I'm just saying, as we wrap up, we have there are thirty nine Dapim, it goes up to Daf Mem, but it starts on Daf Days, so okay, you can figure out the significance of that. So we pick up with some Mishnah. I left the easy Daf yesterday to do, so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we pick up now. So we're dealing again with these issues about um about Chumim and you know which is a Shabbos halacha, but again, because there's all this issue about food, and because I maybe because carrying is less, re, you know, is less restrictive on Yantiv, you don't, you know, you don't need um, an Arab, and you don't need walls, and so on. So maybe the concern about transporting food is much greater, which is true. When you think about Chumim on Shabbos, you're thinking about how far you go, right? Does anybody ever say you can't take? you know, your objects or your food out 2,000 amos outside the city on Shabbos. Of course you can. It's carrying. Okay? So I think that although Tchumim is obviously equally applies on Shabbos and Yantav, the issues about how far you can take your objects in, particularly your food, is specifically a Yantav concern. So we continue with that. Let's take a look. Hagachelet, a coal, an ember, Kiragle habialim. Goes like the owners. Like everything else. Goes by the owners. Tchum. Um, but the, the flame has no restrictions it's not considered to be a actual thing now how do you take a flame without taking the coal well you light your match to it so you have a fi- you have a burning fire and I say because I forgot to light my yard site candle on, er, on Yant or whatever and I need now to, to light my stovetop and I go and I take your flame and I use it to light my stovetop am I limited by your tchum and the answer is no. If I were to take your actual candle, I couldn't bring it outside of your tchum. But if I take the flame, the flame is not considered to be a real thing, and therefore it's a, I'm, it's not, I'm not limited. So that, what? Or the, the flame is not considered, is considered to be a new flame. Or you could say it's considered new, but um, as we'll continue, we'll see why it's not just limited to the idea that it's being transferred anew. But yes, in that scenario, you could say it's not the same one. But later, we'll keep on going, and we'll see why I said what I did. Um, okay, Gachelet Shel Hektesh, if you have a coal owned by the base of Mikdash, Molimbo, there's Me'ila like anything else owned by the base of Mikdash. We shall have that, but if you have the flame of the base of Mikdash, Lo Nanin Velo Molim, you are not rabbinically allowed to derive Hana'ah, but you do not biblically transgress the prohibition of Me'ila. Now, again, this could be the scenario that you transferred the flame and you're benefiting from the transfer of the flame, or it could just be the benefit that, I don't know, you're, uh, you know, you're going in and you're, uh, you're getting light from, the, from a flame that's burning off of a base of Mikdash, off of the coal. Now, which raises an interesting question, because I accept the idea that you'll consider the flame to have Ainbo Mamish, and it's not really owned, and it's not really a thing, but isn't getting benefit from the flame getting benefit from the coal indirectly you know and then that gets or maybe even directly and that gets to whole discussions in the Gemara about um, you know where the Gemara talks about that when you burn wood are you are you de- deriving benefit from the wood as it's burning or you're only getting the benefit after it's been destroyed you know because you're getting it from what's already been burnt it is a little bit confusing here because it seems like now we're not just talking about when it's been transferred it seems like you actually directly are getting from a flame that's coming off of a coal or some obviously type of a fuel and nevertheless because you're the, it's the flame that you're getting benefit from it's not considered to be a, you know at least a biblical mi'ilah and somehow that does not make it considered like benefit from the um, from the fuel um, from the from the coal yes in our terms it's kind of like trying to understand the relationship between matter and energy 
Oh, that's right. Which, in a way, is what fire is. But yeah, it's right. the conversion of mass to energy. Now, right. It's a good point. It's a good point. Yep. It's a good point. I mean, I wonder what happens if you take your, let's say, like, let's say you were to take your, um, uh, you know, a match and touch it against, or whatever, your straw, and touch it against an, an ember of hectate, and then it got on flame. I assume that would be Mi'ila. You directly got benefit from the ember of hectate, right? Well, but it if you depends on what was before, whether after it's already been converted from mass to energy, it's still related to... The right, but if you... If, it, right, so that's the question. But if you've got, like, this smoldering hot thing, which isn't a flame, it's just, like, really, really hot ember, mm-hmm. and you touch a piece oh, of straw to it, presumably that's a case of getting Mi'ila, getting some benefit from it. Mm-hmm. But if you get the flame coming from the top of it and you touch your straw to the flame or you, you know, do, do this or <laughs> you benefit from the flame in some way then it's not, I, so again it's, it's a little hard to fully get your head around this if you take an ember out which is your chayav you know, it's an object and that is uh, considered to be, uh, you know, significant enough to be a shear and whatever you'd be carrying on Shabbos, now we're talking obviously about Shabbos, which I'll have it patur but if you take out the flame, you are exempt, because again, now that's not a real thing, now how do you take out a flame without taking out the thing that's holding on to it, we will see in the Gemara, I have an interesting idea about that which the Gemara didn't say, but okay, let's first see what the Gemara says, Tanarabanan Five things were said regarding the the, the coal. Um, for for purposes, it goes by the owners, like anything else the owner owns. But shall have it But the flame can be taken anywhere. It's not a real thing. Um, so therefore, by the way, Dov, that's also the reason why it's not just an issue of the new thing is yours. Because if the new thing was yours, it wouldn't say It would say the but by the person who like you know transferred the flame. Bchomakom means there's absolutely no limit. Right? So therefore, because it's not really a thing. Um, so the call of Hekdish, you could, uh, if you, you would transgress the prohibition of Mi'ila. And the Shalhevet is rabbinically forbidden, but there's no Mi'ila. Asura. A call related to idolatry. Maybe it was on an, on a, um, on an altar for, for an, for, for, for an idol. So it's forbidden. The shalhevet muteret, and now there's, and the and the, fl- and the flame is permissible. I know it's wild. It's not even an isur derabanan, which the Gemara is going to ask about. By the way, it's not mi'ila. Obviously, mi'ila is only a phrase by hektish. It's asura. I mean, it's a biblical prohibition, but it's not the category. Obviously, of mi'ila. Hamotzi gachel l'rishut harabim chayav. If you take out the coal, then you're chayav. The shalhevet patur. If you take out the flame, you're exempt. Hamuder hanaa mechavaro. If basically I'm in a position where I have forsworn by a neder, getting benefit from you, I say, you know, that I, I think of that, that all of your things are usher to me. So, asur b'gechalto, I cannot use your, your embers. Umutar And But I could, however, you know, get, uh, go over and transfer flame from you. That's not your thing. Okay? Basically, it raises the whole question, like, is there a concept of ownership of flame? So I have to use, ask you for permission. If you have a burning fire, let's say it would not be an issue of trespassing, right? If you have a burning fire, do I have to ask you for, for permission? You went ahead, you made here a little bit bonfire in this public space. I'm sitting next to you, okay? Can I just stick my, uh, you know, my stick on it or my straw on it and, take, and, and, and transfer some of that flame? Do you own the fire? 
Right? I think to some degree that's what we're talking about. I mean, it seems like you don't necessarily own it or else see, that's why there's no limit of the tchumim, you know, and so on. It's so, um, so the Gemara says, so that's the mudar hana'ah as well. Again, you could maybe say you own it, but it's not considered real benefit. But it seems like it's saying this fling isn't a thing to be owned. As Dove said, it's energy. It's not a thing. Um, okay. Question. Now, yes. So th- this is a tosefta? Mm-hmm. The tosefta was compiled near Israel? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because the Persian religion made a lot of use of fire, and I was wondering if the... Uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Or that, maybe they didn't consider it to be idolatry. I don't know. No, because no, no. They definitely, they definitely, they definitely did consider it to be idolatry. But here we're talking about the technical prohibition of yeah. the Surah Hana'ah, which goes about objects. By the way, look at the side. The side has another line, which is Mevarchin al Hashalhevet, the Mevarchin al Gachelet. Right? So you make Bari Mirayah only with a fl- only on the flame, but not on the coal. So actually, in terms of a bracha, you need a flame, right? But in terms of defining it as an object and a thing and something to be owned, you do not. I mean, look, you don't need, thing- you don't need the thingness of something to make a bracha. You make a bracha on thunder, right? So you don't need it to be like a physical thing, but to be owned and to be a thing, it's, it's not, does not apply by the flame. There was an atomistic theory in antiquity. Yeah. I don't know. To what degree do the atomistic theory apply to things that cannot be touched? I mean, I guess fire could be touched, but not in the same way. Did the atomistic theory apply to things that weren't perceived of as matter? This is, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. This is much right. more scientifically advanced than one would have expected. Well, you uh-huh. are less. Yeah, uh, yeah they, they basically came much closer to the scientific understanding of today than... Yeah, but, I, right, right. but again, I don't think they framed it scientifically. It's just like physically it's not something that can be... I mean, I guess it's why you say, why, why? Why is it different than, I don't know, water? You know, I mean, it's okay. You touch it, yeah, it's hot. Earth, air, fire, Somehow water. you can't trans... Uh, yeah. Okay, it's interesting. The predominant... Uh, all right, so now it's a good point. So now the says like this: Mashna shall have a stavodazara desharia. Mashna the hektish tasira. Why is a flame of a vodazara mutter lechatchila and a flame of a flame of hektish at least aser derabanan? So the says a vodazara demiisa bedili inchimina because a vodazara is sort of disgusting and therefore people separate from it. Meaning fundamentally, there's a taboo around a vodazara. So logazubarabanan, the rabbis did not have to make a gzera; they knew you would avoid it anyway. Hektish to lomais the lo bedili inchimina. And Hekish, which is not disgusting, and people don't separate themselves from it. Of course, it's, they more separate themselves from it than from Hulin. But, but, but relative to, to Avodah they don't separate themselves from it. They go into the base of Mikdash, they deal with Hekish on a regular basis. So Gazra Barabana, they needed to make a safeguard. Again, I still don't know the exact answer. The Gemara does not exactly describe the scenario. We'll get to the scenario in a minute about carrying. But I don't exactly you know, know when it says you can drive benefit. doesn't mean like only in the case of a transferred flame. But even if you're transferring the flame, you stick your, uh, you know, your, uh, your, your stick on a, on a fire of a Vodazar and you transfer it, but, okay, that's still ultimately rooted in the, uh, in the coal. And certainly if you directly get, let's say, you know, some uh, light benefits from the thing that's growing off of the coal, but maybe in a Hinami, at that stage, as we said, maybe the coal is already considered to be non-existent. The Gemara here, by the Shabbos case, does get to the issue of how do you have a flame without a coal. So let's take a look. If you take out the kacheles, the uh, ember, the coal, you're chayev on, on Shabbos, but on, 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 uh, on yante, uh, excuse me, but the flame you're exempt. But one minute, we have a brighter that says, even a tiny flame, you're chayev. So it's the opposite of this. So Amrav Sheshes Kosho Hotzio Bikisam. No, the case where you is when it's not just the flame. 
when it's being taken out on a little twig, on a little uh, toothpick. Of course, so that means the case that your putter is just the flame. How do you take out just the flame? Mm-hmm. So we'll get to that in a minute. But first, the case that your chayev is when you took it out on a little toothpick. So the Gemara says, If you're taking it on a toothpick, who needs to talk about the fire? Yeah. You took out the toothpick. So the Gemara says, no. But the way say shura, no, the toothpick isn't big enough to be chayev for itself. Now we talk in the Mishnah. Hamotzi eitzim. If you take out wood, kadei levasha beitzakala. You need enough wood in order to cook a light egg, which means like a chicken's egg, an egg that cooks easily. Okay, so you took out a match. A match is not enough wood to be high for. You took out a burning match, but because the flame is now rooted in a physical object, that gives significance to the flame, and now you're high for the flame. Right, so now it sounds like at least for Shabbos halachas, when the flame is rooted in a physical object. It is considered a thing, an object, and has significance, which then makes us wonder about all the earlier cases. Maybe all the earlier cases also. If it's rooted in a physical object, it's considered a thing. The Gemara never goes back to explore that. Let's take a look at another case. Abaya, Mark, you're going to Shaifi Manamishcha Vi'itli Be'nura. No, not with a match. What you did is, even when it wasn't like the thing that was burning wasn't obviously being burned, let's say you smeared a... Uh, a uh, vessel with uh, with oil, and you lit you lit you lit it on fire. So you have the, uh, a pe- um, well mana thing a vessel could be a piece of cloth. I don't think a cloth. I think he's trying to take a case where you don't see something being consumed. Obviously, what's being consumed is the oil. But you have a a, a patina of oil on a vessel, and you lit it. And now the oil is burning, okay? But there's no obvious, like, wick, and there's no obvious, like, thing being consumed. Obviously, what's being consumed is the oil, okay? And the Gemara's going to actually see in a minute that it's going to assume that it's actually a piece of pottery. So the Gemara says, V'tepikle nishumana, how about, well, but okay, you're carrying the vessel. The chaspa, a piece of pottery, it's not a full vessel. V'tepikle nishumchaspa, okay, but you're carrying the piece of pottery. But the way say sure, no, it's not big enough for, for the, from the pottery perspective. Non, we're talking about Cheres, how much pottery do you have to take out in order to be chayev, a you know, broken piece of pottery? Could they lead being being patsim v'chaviro, to put between like beams in a house, you know, you like fill them up with little pieces of wood or whatever in order to stabilize them. Okay, Divarev Yehuda. So, it's not enough pottery to be chayev, but because you have the flame on it, that gives significance to the flame. The flame is now rooted in a physical object, so you're chayev for taking out a flame. So now we see the flame is different when it's rooted in a physical object, which of course raises the question, so what's the scenario that you carry without it being connected to a physical object? So the Gemara says, okay, where would you have an example that you would be exempt for taking out a flame? So kagon the adi aduye lirishisarapin. You pushed it into the rishisarapin. What does that mean? So Adi says you've got a fire and then you blow it or you wave it and something over the line between your Rishasayach and the Rishasayach catches fire. But the thing is, something else only meaning something else has to start burning out there in the Rishos Harabim but the point is the thing was anchored in in your Rishos never went never moved and the thing it's now burning on was always there so you never had like the movement of the thing in the thing that it was anchored on you know so somehow that's the scenario now by the way the, I thought in the case of how do you have that you can carry it without being high for the thing you're carrying it on as opposed to the lace based Yura I thought well let's say just like your clothes are on fire <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a little bit too of a gruesome scenario. So you're not high for your clothes, but the fire, <laughs> but the fire is, that would be an example where you're not high for the, hopefully, but probably there you're in the process of saving your life or something. Anyway, but it does now go back and raise the question. If for Shabbos purposes, when it's rooted in a physical object, it's considered a thing, so maybe that's true in all these earlier cases as well. So in all these other cases, maybe the only case that you're putter is when you've transferred it from the original object, right? So again, if I go to this flame of Avodah Zarah and I heat myself by it or use it as a reading light, maybe I'd be chayev. It's rooted in a gachelet of Avodah Zarah. I'm chayev. Only when I take it away from its original rooting in the gachelet, maybe only then is it considered to be not a thing of a real Avodah Zarah, not a thing of mamash. Okay, it's left unexplored by the Gemara. Yes? So if I carry a two-stick house, Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I violated a biblical prohibition according to some, but I, I'm not high because it's less than a shear. Well, that gets to the question of when you do less than a shear, have you violated but you're not liable to punishment or have you not violated? So yeah. that's a, that's a, yeah, that's an interesting conceptual question there. Yeah. Okay. okay. Now, next, so that's the flame issue. Quite fascinating. Next, Mishnah. If you have a private well, then the water in the well is yours, and it goes by your tchum. If it's owned by the city, then it goes by the, you know, by the generic um, uh, boundaries of the city, which means 2,000 amot outside of the city. If a few people in the city have moved their tchum because, you know, they made an air tchum, that doesn't change it. This is the city's water, and it goes by the city as a collective, and goes by the 2,000 amot around the city, um, and that's how the water of, that, of, the, of the city well would go. So, Olei Bavel, now how about wells that are made for people that, that come from Bavel, you know, that made Aliyah and came for the Regal. So those were made specifically for people outside the city. They were made for travelers, right? So it's not owned by any collective. It's available for travelers, for whoever needs it. So that's Kiraglea Mimale. That goes by the person who fills it up with water, who fills it up on Yantav. You come on Yantav, it's the regal. By the way, you've got to, you've got to love the fact that here this Mishnah, right, which is written presumably, it doesn't give you a date, but presumably probably at least a hundred years after the Korban Habayis, is still talking about like, you know, Shel Olei Bavel, as like a contemporary phenomenon. It didn't say Shel Ovrei Drachim. Right? So, again, like evoking that sense that, you know, we're still being Olila Regev. Anyway, but that is not owned by a collective, so it goes by the person who filled it up. Now, Rashi makes a point. Why does it go by the person who filled it up? If it starts yunt of being ownerless, okay, what should its status be? So, yesterday, there was an opinion we quoted, Rabbi Yochanan ben Yuri, that says if it starts yunt of ownerless, it's Konet's own place. So, it's 2,000 amot from its location, not from the person who filled it up. Right? So that's one possibility. That's not what it's being said. The other possibility is, it's like the Gemara said before about Gachelet. It's, um, it's Bechol Makom. It has no limit. It doesn't define its own Tchom. It doesn't, didn't start Yantav being part of another person's possession. So it's not limited by any Tchom. Okay, that would have been a more reasonable thing. The idea of Ragwe HaMemaleh is again this concept of Breira. If I come and fill it up on Yantav, then even though when it started Yantav it was ownerless, we say since on Yantav I wound up owning it, retroactively when Yantav began, it was always considered to be under my control, because it in the future would be under my control, and therefore it goes by my domain, and not by its own domain, and not by no domain. That's the assumption of the Mishnah. Let's take a look at the Gemara. Rabbi Rav Nachman. Rabbi threw a contradiction to Rav Nachman. Tanan, our Mishnah says, Borsha Yachid Karagli HaYachid. Private well goes by the owner, the private owner. Ramino, I'll ask you on this. Naharotamoshinu Mayinotanovim, Harein Karagli Koladam. 
uh, um, you know, rivers that are running and wells that are sort of flowing um, go by any person, meaning, meaning not, you know, again, they're like the example we gave before, that they did not start Shabbat with any particular ownership, and therefore they're not limited by anybody, not by the owner, and not by, there is no owner, and not by the person who fills it up. It has absolutely no tchum, no limit. So now, he assumes that we're talking even if it's under private ownership. Now, if it's under private ownership, why should that be? So the reason is, the key word here is moshim and novim. It starts Shabbos not in a, in a fixed location. It's moving, or yantif. And since it's flowing, moving, right? it's flowing and moving and running, therefore, it can't be konashvisa. To be konashvisa, it has to be at rest. So it's something that even though it has an owner, is never konashvisa, and therefore has no limit of tchum. So the obvious distinction is different. This is a flowing. Our mission says bore. Yeah, so the Gemara says, I don't even understand the question. So the Gemara says, I'm a Rava or I'm a whoever it is here. Um, here, what are we talking about? It's collected rainwater. It's not flowing, which is a simple case of bore. Okay, but we introduce this idea that it could be owned privately, but if it is flowing, it also is not Konish Risa. So, Ole Bavel Karagle Hamimaleh. Now we get to think about the Ole Bavel for the uh, travelers that is not considered like a city, a collective ownership. This is considered a hefter or not owned or available to all, but not a sense of a sense of a collective. Or if it is a collective, the collective is Klai Yisrael, which doesn't have a particular tchum. Okay, so therefore, it goes by, but we'll assume a hefter, and it goes by the person who fills it up. Again, not, not Shokol Adam, but again, Rashi says we're assuming Brera, so once the person fills it up on Yantiv and winds up owning it on Yantiv, retroactively, it's like it was always his, and therefore it goes by his tchum. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, we'll go back to Mechunasim, the Pshat is the Mechunasim are like flowing no, our case in the Mishnah that a boar goes by has a tchum is collected rainwater. The case of the Brita that it doesn't have a tchum is when it is flowing water. Right. I got. I guess I'm bothered by how could anyone have ever even asked the question? It's that so boar. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it could be a well. A bo- yeah, I mean, if it's a no, live water well. A boar is never a well. No, I don't know. You know, we, is it be, yeah, I don't know if uh, it would be so precise. A boar is always collected water. Well, if you were around Samaria, you would have had hot springs. Yeah, I mean, if the water coming in is coming from an it's underground from an underground source, right? No, no, you have a well that is like our mikra that collects rainwater, mm-hmm. right? Then you have a well that you dig, dig deep, like Avraham, right? right? You know, he, he dug deep and he found water. That's Novim, because that's water that's coming through, that's moving. But that's, that's all I'm saying. Right. I, I'm stuck. Right. I, yeah, I guess they thought that it wasn't, I, thought, I guess they thought it wasn't being precise. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, Idmar. So now, so okay, so our mission says it's Shalolei Bavel's Karagleha Mimalei, which again assumes like an idea of Hefka. Me live in Let's say you filled it up and you gave it to your friend. It goes for, by the person for whom it was filled. I filled it up and gave it to Charlie. No, it goes by the filler. It goes by me. Now, Rashi immediately jumps in and says, we are not talking about I filled it up for myself and then I gave it to Charlie. That's the Mishnah. I filled it up for myself. It's mine. 
and now I give it to Charlie. It doesn't matter. Since I was the first one to take possession of it, it goes by my tchum, not by Charlie's tchum. End of story. But let's say it's not that. Let's say it's a Rivka and, um, you know, and Eliezer story. So Charlie comes and he says, oh, could I say, oh, Charlie, you look so thirsty. Let me fill you up some water. And I go to the well and I fill him up this water from this public well, from this Ole Babel, and I give it to him. And my actual act of filling is in order to provide him the water. So whose water is it? Is it my water or is it his water? Whose tchum does it go by? That's the debate, okay? So Rav Nachman says it goes by the one who was filled for, and Rav Shetra says it goes by the filler. What are they debating? One says it's a bore of Hefker, and the other says it's not really Hefker, it's really Shutafim. Okay, now, so what does that mean? It means that if it's Hefker, Rashi says we are assuming that, if, uh, that the principle is, if I pick up, there's a discussion above Mitzia, we're going to end with this as well, if I see a lost object, and I don't need it, um, you know, but I know, oh, here's, I don't know, a, a discarded bicycle. I don't need a bicycle, okay? But I know Charlie's been dying for a bike, so I pick up the bicycle and I'm said, I'm going to tone this for Charlie. Does Charlie own the bike now or not? Normally, we say, right? I can take possession of something for somebody else now in their presence. I'm doing him a favor. But here, the Gemara says in Bab but, but not not when other people are going to lose out as a result. So if I pick up the bike for Charlie, this discarded bike, I'm depriving somebody else of that opportunity. Right? So that might be, it might be that I can't do it for him at somebody else's expense. That's always so, true. Yes. By so, in the case so, of Mitzia. So yeah, but not if you're giving me a gift to be Kona for Charlie. It's always true in the case of Hester and Mitzia. Yeah, so right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's the principle that So Raji says we're assuming that right now. Okay? So this water, if it's Hefker, then if I draw it for Charlie, he's not Kona. So I'm Kona, and therefore it goes by me. But if it's not an issue of Hefker, let's say it's an issue of Shutafin. All of Kla Yisrael is Shutaf in this. So then, when I draw it for Charlie, right, so, you know, so then I can be, uh, I mean, or certainly Charlie can be Kona for himself, but, you know, but then I can all, you know, so I can be Kona for Charlie because I'm not taking it away from somebody else. Everybody is a Shutaf, and everybody is entitled to take water and to take their possession and then it sort of becomes a case of Brera right it's like and we'll see in the Gemara if, if, if partners split some ownership uh, remember we had the case before about the barrel of wine that we split or the animal we split on Yuntas then we would say retroactively you always had a portion in this well retroactively of Yuntas we see that this water was the portion that was always yours and I maybe can be the agent or whatever you know to sort of do that div- divvying up but I'm not being Magbiyam Etzir You're not even being Machnev. Right, he already owns already it. We're just designating which right. part that retroactively... Right, retroactively was always hers. His, okay? So, in a normal case, right, it's not like a city where it's a collective and it's limited by the city. Here there are multiple different owners, but the piece that the owner takes retroactively will have been his piece, his piece from the beginning. So again, by the city, it goes by the collective of the city. Here it goes by the individual. But is it going by the individual because it's Hefker? 
Or is it going by the individual because it's shutafut and the part that the shutaf takes then becomes his part retroactively? And the difference would be I fill it up for Charlie. If it's Hefter, then Charlie isn't Kona. It goes by me. And if it is shutafut, then Charlie is Kona. And that would be the question. Umar Savarbiyah just shoots Fayu. Okay. Ace Rav Nachman. Rav challenged Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman being the one that says it goes by the one for whom it was filled. It goes by Charlie. Arraigning, which basically we're saying means what now? Means that it's a concept of shutafut, not a concept of hefker. Okay? It goes by Charlie. Harani alechacherem. If somebody says, we're back to mudr hana'ah, it says like this, I am on you, cherem, which basically means that all of my objects, um, um, I mean, I'm sorry, um, everything that you own is cherem to me. I am forbidden to get benefit from anything that you own. I'm able to say that. So, Hamudar Asur. The one, the, the objects, um, so, one minute. Wait, no, 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 I, I got it reversed. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I got it reversed. I'm sorry, I got it reversed. I got it reversed. Okay. So, um, I'm sorry. Hareini Alecha, right. I am to you, Cherem, meaning me, my things, are Cherem to you. So all of my objects are forbidden oh to you. Right. So Hamudar, the Mudar is the, the person I, the, the no dare and talking to, is forbidden to derive benefit from anything that I own. Okay. Hare Ata Alai Cherem, you are for me, Cherem, anything that you own is forbidden to me. Hanoder Asur, the one making the vow can't derive benefit from the other person. Okay, basic principle of vows, you can make your stuff forbidden to others or other people's things forbidden to you. The only thing you can't do is make other people's things forbidden to them. Okay, so, um, hold on, I'm sorry, because if this is my wife, that's probably Hello? Sorry, yes. Okay. Okay, sorry. Okay, fine. Okay, Hamudar, okay, back to this. Um, okay. I am forbidding, um, I, my things are forbidden to you and your things are forbidden to me, so you did both of the things you could do. I can't get any benefit from you, you can't get any benefit from me. So, okay, I can't get benefit from you, you can't get benefit from me, and that works both directions. But, Umitarin, here are the things that they are allowed to derive benefit from. Bishel Olei Bavel things that are of the property of those that come up from Bavel, meaning things that are like, as we'll see, Hefker or communal property, that's going to be the question. But they cannot derive benefit from things that are owned collectively by the city, because things that are owned collectively by the city, they're part of the collective. By the way, this is the problem of the idea, you know, that the Gemara, the developing the Gemara to deal with the concept of uh, corporation, right? Mm-hmm. Because... You know, the Gemara does understand the idea of belonging to the city, and it, is, it does contrast that to the idea of shutafut. So you would say that that's a perfect model for a sense of corporation, like a corporate entity that's not about the individual. But here you see that if I can't derive benefits from you, then I also can't derive benefits from things that are owned collectively by the city. Mm-hmm. Well, why is that? That's not owned by you. That's owned by the city as a, as a collective, yeah, yeah. as a corporation. Presumably not. Presumably things owned by the city are also partly considered to be owned by you. So we really need it to be like this development. I mean, you have the beginning of it, but this development of this concept of shutafut to this greater concept of corporation. Okay. Is that the difference also, is it not between a private and a public corporation? In other words, you could use that distinction. Right? Yeah, maybe. But here still, the whole idea of corporation is not considered a, to connected to the individual. Right. And here it is. Okay? Yeah, so, so I can... Yeah, well, talk to the Supreme Court. So, <laughs> that's so again, I can't derive benefits. So if there's a city bathhouse, I can't go to that city bathhouse because I'm deriving benefit from you. You're a part owner in the bathhouse. And if there's a city synagogue, I can't go in that synagogue.
synagogue. You're a part owner in that synagogue. Okay, but I can go to things that are Shel Olei Bavel. Okay, the Elin Dvarim Shel Olei Bavel. Here are the things that are belonging to Olei Bavel. Harabayis! I can go up to the Temple Mount. Okay, so it's funny, that doesn't only belong to Olei Bavel. That belongs to the entire Jewish people, but that's the point. Even to Olei Bavel. Okay, Shel Harabayis, Valishkot, and the you know, chambers in the Temple. The Azarot, the Azara, okay. Ubor Shel Emzah And the wells that are, you know, along the roads. The Eilu and Shalot Ha'ir, those are, here's the things that belong to the city. Harachov, the streets, and I can't walk on the street. As soon as I say, you're forbidden in Hanat to me, I can't walk on the street, because that's partly your street. Ubeit HaKneset, the synagogue, Ubeit HaMechatz, and the bathhouse. Okay, so anyway, if we learn a Dharam, that's going to be a lot of fun to unpack. Really? Anytime I mutter somebody Hanat, all of a sudden I can't use any city institutions, I can't go to the library, I can't go on the streets, I can't whatever, get, get benefits from the street lamps. Okay, anyway, but the things belonging to the Beit HaMikdash and the Borsha Rabim are different. Now, presumably you would say, what's the difference? So presumably, I wouldn't say that that means that those things are hefker, I mean the Beit HaMikdash isn't hefker, but you could say like this, well, one minute, the Beit HaMikdash and the Harabais or whatever, those are different because that's not owned by you guys, that's owned by God, that's hefkish, okay, it's owned by the institution called the Beit HaMikdash. Right, they had a big treasury, right? They were like, you know, they were an actual legal institution. Okay, so that's part of what meal is as well. But how about the well? So again, is it because the well is considered to be hefker and therefore there's no problem? Or again, I think it'd be more interesting to think that no, that's already this idea of corporate entity. Right? Maybe a city is seen as more of a partnership. Again, city ear doesn't really mean city, ear means like village, right? Town. Okay, we're not talking about a huge city, but maybe something that's owned by Klaus Israel, maybe that is more corporate a concept. But again, the Gemara is going to assume that this is evidence that if the well is different than things of the city, that the why am I not a part ownership and owner in the well must be because it's uh, Hefka. Yes? Well, Hefka until you draw from the water. Once you draw from the water, no, because the mission does say it's Kiragle Hamimaleh. It doesn't say it's, it's Kiragle Koladam. So once you draw from the water, the water is yours. But the basic ownership of the well is Hefker. Now, again, you know, what does it mean, Hefker? Could a, a non-Jew take from it? You know, if it was dug by Jews and it was dug for Ole Bavel? You know, does it mean, I mean, you know, does it mean that it's so, it's a bit, yes. And it's not acquirable by any individual. The, the, bore, the bore is not acquirable. The water is there to be acquired by whoever, right, right. The bore itself. It, Right, I mean, that's a good point. Who controls the... Right, that's the same idea. Who controls the ownership of the boar to prevent somebody from coming and saying, I'll seize the boar. It's Hefker, right? So again, it's, it is a funny way of calling it Hefker. It can't be straight Hefker. It's a very good point. It has to be... Yeah. So let's take a look. You know, maybe you're right. Maybe you'll say, well, no, maybe the seabor owns the boar, but the seabor is making the water in the boar Hefker. So, okay, so that's... The, anyway, that's how the Gemara understands this. So it says... Like this. If you say the boar, or let's say the water of the boar, because they'll make this an excellent point, if you say the water of the boar is a partnership, okay, am I mutar? Why is it permissible? How is it any different than any of the other cases about the Beit Knesset and the street and so on? The Hatznan, and it, so Tosus makes that point. It obviously wouldn't be different than the, all the other cases that are owned by the city. But in addition, we teach in a Mishnah. Partners, we're partners in an enterprise, we're partners, I don't know, in a field, in a cow, and we made a vow, we each of us can't get Hana one from another. 
So, so if we own a, a courtyard in partner, a yard in partnership, you can't go into the yard because I'm benefiting from your portion portion of it. Um, or um, or to you know or to go into the um, or to or to bathe myself in a partnered well because I'm getting benefit from your portion. So if this is an idea of partnership, why can I derive benefit from the water of the well? Okay, so clearly it's an issue of healthcare, or I would hope maybe corporate ownership, but anyway, not an issue of partnership. So the Gemara says, You know what? You're right. This is a, the well is owned in partnership, uh, and it would be forbidden to jump into a well and to, and to bathe yourself. The Hachab of Mayaskina, why does it say that if, you make, uh, if you're forbidden in Hana'ah, you can use this well of Olei Babel? Because what are we talking about? Limalot. So we're back to Brera, okay? To go into the well, to immerse yourself, right? People like saying that like Sukkah and, you know, Tevila are two mitzvahs that you do with like your entire body. You immerse yourself, right? So, and it, so you, you use the whole thing as a single entity. So it says, look, why can I not go into the shul or the bathhouse or the courtyard that's owned by the city if there's an Isra of one of the individuals? Because... I am using the entire thing. I'm not differentiating. This is my part of the street. Mm-hmm. I'm walking down the whole street. I don't have a particular part that's mine. If I were to jump into the well, mm-hmm. I also would be benefiting from his portion. But if I take water from the well, then I can say, this water isn't his. This is the water that was always coming to me. Yes, Brera. So before we differentiated it, it was not known whose water it was. Okay, but once I take it, then that becomes always my water. That's the idea of shutafim. I'm taking my portion, right? And therefore, it's not a problem. So that's what he says. I can still con- insist that it's shutafim, but you can take water from the well, even though there's iser hana'ah because of breira, okay? And that's why, uh, but, and, and when you take water from the well on yantav, it goes by you because it became yours, okay? But if you fill it up for someone else, because of this concept of shutafim, it will belong to the person that you filled it up for. Wait, so so that's Rav Nachman saying it is about shutafim. So the boar is owned by shutafim, but the water... No, the water is owned by shutafut. But once you draw water, you're taking out your portion. You're allowed to take out of this part, you know, out of this portion. It's like, you know, it's like we own the business Bishutafut, but we all collect dividends at the end of the year. You're just collecting some of your dividends. So why wouldn't that apply to walking down the street? Every step I take no. with Brera is the piece that I would have owned for. Because it's not a piece. You're using the whole thing. It's like jumping into the well to bathe. It's not, I'm taking this thing is mine. This thing is was partly. What, this little area where my foot is coming down. What? It's not exclusively no, yours. not exclusively yours. You can stop somebody else when you're walking down the street from walking on it at this time. No, I'm using it now in my time, and everybody else off the street can't do that. Uh, so you take water out of the well if I grab it from. It's uh, too late. Once you take it, you're entitled as a partner. If that's the concept to take it and to now take this as your portion and to exclude other people from it. Okay, so that can explain why you're allowed in the case of Mujahana and still hold by a concept of Shudafut. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. The summer of not many Brera, see Brera something, you know, some yeah. sugars you can't get away from something. Zvachim, you can't get away from Pigul. Okay, in Beitza, yeah. 
you can't get away from Brera. Okay, the sever of Nachman Yesh Brera, says Rav Nachman therefore holds Yesh Brera, because you would have to hold that to explain why the water would not be a problem of Hana'ah, because it always wound up being yours and not joint, joint once it was taken. Does he really hold Yesh Brera? We taught in the Mishnah. Brothers that became partners. Which does not mean just some they became partners. It means they became partners in the context of, their, of the estate they inherited. They inherited an estate. They divided it up. Okay, while they inherited, by the way, the estate is another good example that Halacha actually does have of a concept of, of, of a corporation. Before they divided up the state, it is considered to be more of a type of a corporate entity. Then they divide it up, each one gets their portion, and then they decide, you know what, right, we, we'll do better together than, than apart. They, they pool it all again and they make a partnership out of what used to be the shared estate. Okay, and the halacha is that once they divide it up and then reconstitute it as a partnership, it has the status of a partnership. If they had never divided it up, it would have the status of an estate of a single entity. Now, where does it matter whether this is considered a single entity or a joint partnered enterprise? So two areas that this mission is going to pay attention to is Shekel, remember we learned Shkalim, and Maser Behemoth. I'll start with Maser Behemoth, which is easier. The halacha is that if my animals give birth every year, all the, I take all the new births of the animal and I have them walk through a fence, an opening in a fence, and every tenth one is Maser Behemoth. I am not obligated to do that if the animals are owned in partnership, only if they're owned privately, not if they're owned in partnership. Okay, so if this was an estate that had never been divided, its animals would not be considered to be owned in partnership. It's a single entity, the estate. That's the single entity. Okay, and therefore, I would you would take you, the, the brothers would have to take Meister Behema. If they separated and then reconstituted, then it has multiple owners, not a single entity. It's multiple owners, and therefore no Meister Behema. The other case is the case of the Chasi Shekel, right? You give the Chasi Shekel once a year for the funds of the Beis Hamikdash. Well, you are obligated to add to a Chasi Shekel a little coin called a punyon, which was a money changer fee. Now, and the, what the rabbi said is, if you are basically, if partners are giving, um, uh, you know, we're partners, Charlie and me, we'll give a shekel between the two of us. Nevertheless, bottom line is, we're still two people. We have to give two punyons. We're not free. In the end, we're two people that are just doing it together. But, well, it's not one entity. However, if the estate is one undivided estate, now, interestingly, it still has to give one shekel for the two brothers. It doesn't get away with giving just a half shekel. But nevertheless, since it's conceived of as one entity, it's only, go- in terms of the punyon tax, it's only going to give one punyon. So that's the mission. So let's take a look. Right, what's yes. the terminology for corporate? Hefter or Oprah? No, I don't think it has. You know, Sisa Sabayit is the phrase that it uses for the, um, the, the concept of the estate of the brothers. And right. that is something comparable. But you'll notice here with the issue, the difference between the city and the public well, the Gemara only switched between Shutafut and Hefter. Where right, you could have, say. that's my point. I don't think it has a very well-developed sense of corporate, of, cor- of terminology or sense of corporate identity, but you do have it to some degree. You do have it to sometimes, okay? And you do have it to some degree here by the states of Achim HaShutafim. So let's take a look, okay? Achim HaShutafim, okay? Uh, brothers that became partners in the very estate that they started with. When they're obligated in the Kalbon, which means when they are considered partners, so, because they reconstituted the estate and their partners, so they have to give a kalbon for each person. They're exempt from Meister Behema, because Meister Behema you're exempt from in this partnered state. When they're obligated in Meister Behema, which means they never divided the estate. So the estate exists as one entity, 
because it's one entity. Okay, so that's what we have, is that if you divided and reconstituted your partnership, you're not a corporation. So the Gemara says like this, When is this true that they do not reconstitute the estate? Because he says there are some times they divided the estate and then, re- and then by going back together reconstituted the estate. So that's only when the division was not a, was really a type of a swap, was not an even division. So if when we initially divided it, I took the goats and you took the sheep, or you took the sheep and I took the goats, I don't know if I just said the same thing, or I took the sheep and you took the goats, then when we divided it, it was not an, a natural even division. Actually, I was buying out your portion in the sheep for my portion in the goats and vice versa. And therefore, we really did divide and to come back together, it would, not, it would be a partnership. That's that scenario. But if when we divided it, we just went, took everything down the middle. Okay? You get half the goats, I get half the goats. You get half the sheep, I get half the sheep. You get half the house, I get half the house. Okay? We, everything was straight down the middle. He says, then there was no purchase going on there. That was just a natural aspect of inheritance. So for the natural aspect of inheritance, he says, so, then ultimately this is an idea of Reira this is the portion I was always intended to get okay so if I get half of everything and you get half of everything this is your half that's my half it's like the case of partnership we could say it's not like in the dividing of the estate you bought something and swapped something with the other person okay it's basically like this was always what you were going to get this was your half and that was the other person's half and if that's true he says if there was never any purchase and transaction at the moment of dividing and was all under the rubric of inheritance then the concept of inheritance is still what defines the ownership and therefore you can read no, well not the way it is now that it's divided because now you have your separate inheritance but because it was always under the rubric of inheritance you can reconstitute the original estate okay there was never an idea of a business transaction that became part of it it was always how do we divvy up the estate and since it was all about inheritance and divvying it up, you can reverse the divvying up and go back to the reality of a state. That's what he says. Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman says, Even if it was all straight down the middle, You do not say this was the part you're always going to get, because there's no Brera. So even if you divided everything in the middle, there's always an aspect of purchase. I'm getting these goats, not those goats. Why? Because I'm buying out my, your portion in these goats, and I'm giving to you for it your portion in those goats. Okay? So there was never an aspect of, it, when it got divided, there was always a sense of buying and selling and swapping. It was never just a natural issue of always determining what was mine, and therefore it can't be reversed. There was an issue of buying out each other's parts, so now if you go back together, you cannot go back, there's no going back, right? So therefore, so therefore it has to be now an aspect of partnership. What we see from all of that is that Rav Nachman holds Ein Breira. So if Rav Nachman holds Ein Breira, why does, now remember, the Gemara said before, by the way, Yesh Breira by Durabanan, and remember that, that was also one of the days I was conveniently asking for, uh, but uh, we actually passed it that way. So here there is a Durabanan element about the Cholim, that's not the problem, the problem is the Neder problem, because he had to explain this idea of the well, and if it's a well of Shutafut, the only way to explain why there's not a Neder problem is by Breira, and here we hold here, here that he doesn't hold the Breira, and that's the deal right issue. Do you have to articulate the Shem on the full rash for a neder? 
No. Okay, so, but we'll talk about when we do in the dark, right. but the answer is no. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Ella, you're right. Dechuyama beira defkerehu. Fine. There's no way of explaining if you hold up Ein Breira, this case of the well and the neder, without saying that it's Hefker. Because it's Hefker, there's no neder problem. Now, if it's Hefker, how does Rav Nachman say that when I fill it up for Charlie, it's, it goes by Charlie? What about Magbiya Metziel Chavero, Lokana Chavero? Why does it go by Charlie? Why doesn't it go by me? So, so, the question is, when I pick it up for somebody else, is he Konet or not? So what does that mean? So in the simple sense, what it means is, so right, but if Nachman holds that when you draw the water from the well, Charlie is Kona. Even though it's the case of Magbiya Mitziel Chavero, nevertheless, he could be Kona. Joseph <coughs> explains very simply, maybe in general, you would say, Lokan Chavero. But remember what I told you, why is the reason we say that I can't pick up a lost object for you? Because somebody else is losing out. So he said, is that relevant by a well? If it's a well, which has a lot of water and enough water for anybody who needs it, right, even if you conceptualize it as Hefger, there would be no problem of drawing water for someone. So Rav Nachman says, again, if I draw it for myself, it becomes mine, then I give it to Charlie, it's limited by me. That's the Mishnah. If I draw it for Charlie, Rav Nachman says, now the way we're concluding, it's Hefger, I drew it for Charlie, but in this case, Charlie will own it. So Charlie is the first owner of this water, it goes by him. And the Rav Sheshis, the opposing position, says, no, Charlie doesn't own it, I own it, and because I own it, because I'm the one who drew it, even in this case, I own it, and therefore it goes by me, not by Charlie. Okay, yes. So back to the issue of the flowing waters. Um, in Eretz Israel, there were numerous Roman aqueducts that would have taken water from well beyond the Tehum. Uh-huh. But I, I'm surprised there's not a discussion of that. that. But was it flowing when Yonta began? Yeah. So then that would be the case, that it has no limit. And maybe that's part of the point of making the point about flowing waters. But you might wife can give that specific scenario. I don't know. Okay. okay let's just start with the next Mishnah. Mishahayu peirosa v'ir acheres. V'ir v'bnei oso a'ir. So this was the example I gave you once before, right? Like, uh, I'm in Hawaii and I tell you, go ahead, please use my house or whatever. Okay? So here, the scenario is, though, it's about me coming in contact with the things that I own. My fruit are in another city. Here, the scenario is... The scenario is, here's city A, okay? This is 2000, I'm out, okay? And here's city B, Right? And I know this is 2011, I guess 1,000, it doesn't matter. And my fruit is in city B. Okay, so, and I just made my air like everybody else in the city. I didn't make an air of Tchumim, I'm just with the city. So my fruit starts Yontav outside of my Tchum. Okay? And therefore, but people in B wanted to come to city A on, on Yontav. So they made an air here. So they're going to come to city A. They're entitled, okay, to come to mm-hmm. city A. They cannot bring the fruit with them. Okay, hey, we're coming to you. We'll bring you the fruit. They can't. Because the fruit is chutz with chum, and therefore, you know, cannot be brought. Now the question and is, it's your fruit, it's not my there. fruit. Now right. the question is, okay, it can't be brought to me. Can it, uh, this is the question I asked before. Can it be brought anywhere? The fruit sort of starts yontiv chutz with chum. Yeah. Right? You got that? It starts yontiv chutz with chum. It's my fruit. It's already outside the chum. So maybe you can't, you know, you can't touch it and move it anywhere. Not just can't bring it all the way to the city. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. Okay, lo yavu lo. Don't bring the fruit to him. But if I made the erev here, then my fruit. If I made the erev, then my fruit starts in my tchum, and therefore, and therefore, all is good because then, even if, because then it goes, it goes by me. Okay, mi shezimin etlo orchim. So you invite guests. 
So don't say, oh, you're going up. Here, I invited some guests to my house from City B. They're now going back to their house on Yantam. Oh, here's a little Tzedah Ladera. Again, it's Yantam. I can give you a little food to take on the way. You like that cake so much, that carrot cake, let me wrap it up for you. Okay? I can't do that. Because they're going to be taking my carrot cake and it's defined by me. So as soon as they get to here, right to the, after the 2000 mark, even though they can walk back, they can't take my cake back with them. I do know. I don't like carrots. Okay. Unless what I did was on Erev Yantav, I said, oh, Rabbi Lurie is coming. He loves my carrot cake. And therefore, I was cone the cake for him before Yantav. So I knew that it began Yantav as his and therefore I could give it for him that he could take back for him when he would be going back to his house. Okay.